Welcome in to another episode of the Young Dad Podcast, presented by Ball Boy Media, with your hosts, the Young Brothers, Jay and Aaron Young. About that time to pull up a chair, grab a juice box, grab a snack, and let's talk today with our guest, Andy M., the man behind the Secure Dad Podcast. Today, Andy shares some tips on home security, situational awareness, and online safety, and how to virtually protect your family. Today we talked about such topics as keeping your kids safe online, protecting your family at home, and about his book on home security. Really hope you enjoy the show because it is a wonderful source of information for the listeners about virtual and online safety, which is so important in our current times as our kids are more and more online, which means more and more dangers lie out there online with them. So with that, open your snack, put that straw in your juice box, and enjoy the show. All right, thanks to our live in-studio audience. Welcome to another week of the Young Dad Podcast. I'm Jay, and joining me today is Andy. Andy, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Jay. Thank you for the opportunity to get to talk to you and to your audience. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited. This is going to be a really good one for really any parent or anyone that has kids that are online at all. Yeah. So, or anyone that's online themselves. So I'm really excited. Right. A little bit about you. If the listener skipped over the intro, which sometimes they do, I do it myself. Sometimes I skip over the intro of shows just to get into it. But you became a dad about 11 years ago. You yep. live mostly in the Southeast United States. Currently, you're in East Coast. Yes. Still correct. You are an author, a father, and an online safety and security expert. Uh, so go ahead and tell us anything else you want us to know about you, and then also how you got started in online security and cyber safety. Sure. So um, it, it's weird, you know, being a dad. Um, online safety and security at my age is not something that I learned from my dad. So this is something that we as this first cyber generation have had to learn. So this was something that I kind of picked up on and I thought about, um, you know, there's a lot of creepy stuff that happens. There's a lot of, you know, I'm kind of fascinated by how hackers and red teamers work and how they use social engineering to get people to do things. And I thought that was really interesting. And then I realized those same tactics are getting used against our children by, you know, predators and people who do not have good intentions for us and our kids. So I started to learn uh, about how these things work. And by no means, though, I consider myself an expert because I'm always learning. I feel like experts are at the top of their game and they stop learning. They stop doing stuff. I don't want to be like that. I never want to get to the top of the hill and say, oh, I'm an expert in this because I'm not because it's always learning, especially in this field. It is always changing. So I sat down and, and I, I kind of looked at the landscape of what it was like to raise a child in the digital world. And I realized a couple of years ago that I just wasn't where I needed to be. There just wasn't, I didn't have enough knowledge in me to be able to get my child at this age through the digital gauntlet that is life now. And so I had to sit down and say, okay, well, what do I need to do to make myself better? So I set out on a quest for like the last two years to understand what the real threats were 
to, you know, a kid being online, because there's a lot of fake stuff that gets blown up about this challenge or that challenge. And that's not real. It's just internet rumors that parents share because it is so shocking. And that's why it gets shared because it is shocking. So it was like, okay, what are the real threats? What do I need to focus on? And how do I need to address that in my own home? And then I started to share that with other people as I was learning. And I usually couch it with, you know your children, I don't. So I'm going to give you this information that I have discovered, that I have found, and then you take that and you use it in your home as you see fit. And I think that's really what people find appealing about the Secure Dad and the Secure Dad podcast. It's not, oh, I'm right, and I'm always going to tell you it's going to be this way, because it's not. It's not always going to be that way. It's going to be different. (laughs) By the time you know what a threat is, another one has popped up. So it's really just an ongoing education for parents to be able to help them feel comfortable having their kids online because so much of their world is online today. 100%. I love that. I honestly love that about your platform and about you and what you do is that you continue to learn and you continue to keep things fresh and updated because you're right, like online security and cyber safety is changing and ongoing. It's Mm -hmm. something that we changes every day. You know, predators are trying something new every day online. Right. They're in their little communities online. Um, right. And then on top of that, that's one thing that is amazing about your show and something that we really back here at with our show is that, you know, we're going to say these things and take them for what you will, take them into your home for what we will, any parenting stuff we talk about, relationship stuff, any advice, anything like that. We're not the end-all, be-all. Right, right. We're and not. That's, yeah, we, and that's a good way. Be. To approach people. And I think that's how you find like-minded people is by saying, hey, this is what we're doing. If you like it, come on. If you don't, that's okay. And if you don't agree with everything that we say, that's totally fine too. But, you know, still you're welcome. 100%. And even if you don't agree, like like you said, you're welcome. Come come share yeah. your, your thoughts and your perspective with me. Um, like, I don't agree with you on your take on pineapple on pizza. <laughs> we're still here well, today. I'm- <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm sorry. Pineapple does belong on pizza, and I have enjoyed it for a very long time. So, <laughs> okay, don't age yourself. Be careful. Be careful. You're approaching, <laughs> approaching dangerous territory there. But no, right. I personally, pineapple. I like pineapple itself. Like my kid. Yeah, they mm-hmm. love pineapple, especially my little one. She just loves fruits, and so oh, yeah. literally, Good. maybe a week ago, not this week. I had her this week. The week before last, I had her. So two weeks ago. I had a pineapple that I got from the store. I ended up cutting it up. She blew through that whole thing, mostly my little one. So then she's like, I want pineapple. I'm like, there's no more pineapple. And I'm like, okay, wait, hold on. I had pineapple in my cupboard, like in a can. Mm-hmm. I literally just emptied that can into a bowl, and she's just sitting at the table just yeah. munching the pineapple. I'm like, my goodness, kid. Uh-huh. But hey, put, it's, it's it's better than candy and, or anything else out there, so that's great. It's your favorite 100%, fruit. Even if it's from a can, I'm just like, whatever. Sure. It's still better. Mm-hmm. But no, pineapple is delicious on its own. It's not a topping for food. <laughs> Any food. Don't put it on food in general. Like it doesn't mix with anything savory. That's my opinion. We all have our own opinions and we're all entitled to those. Um, right. Except if your opinion's wrong when it comes to this. But, <laughs> but one thing I learned, I don't know how long I learned this and when it clicked, but it was maybe, it's recently, it's probably within the last three months that predators they're not at the park anymore Mm. because kids aren't at the park 
predators right. aren't going to schools and watching through the sense and licking their lips and what which one am I going to get today kind of thing. They're not pulling up in white vans anymore. They're not going to the mall and just sitting there with sunglasses and a hat. No, they're they're in the chat rooms with your kid on Modern Warfare. They're in your chat rooms mm. on Fortnite. They're in the right. chat rooms on all these different platforms. They're on Reddit. They're where they are exactly where your kids are. Like they're in your home. Right. And that was disturbing. And I was like, oh, yeah, ugh. It made me and- cringe. But so for that, what what can parents do? Because with the predators already kind of being in your home and already being able to start their grooming process that way what can parents do to help keep their kids safe with like online gaming because that's really popular kids play with their friends sure everyone has a system like what can what can parents do to help kind of mitigate some of those challenges yeah so um you you brought up a really good point about you know the predators aren't at the park anymore because that's not where the kids are and if you think about a typical predator prey relationship on planet earth the predators go where the prey is. If you watch mm-hmm. any nature documentary, uh, we're watching some on um, Disney right now, and it was on these wild dogs and how far they have to go, how many hundreds of miles they have to cover, you know, in South Africa to be able to get to something to be able to eat. And while we want to say, hey, this is all the digital world, this is all online it's all still the same. The behavior is still the same. Mm-hmm. So wherever your kids are going to go, that's going to be where predators are. Now, there probably still are predators in the park. They're probably still a white 100%. van kidnapping. will happen somewhere. But that's, 100%. Yeah, that's not going to be where, where things are happening now. I did a, a show not long ago on kidnapping. And Mm -hmm. the whole thing was the whole white van. A white van is going to pull up and snatch your kid off the street because it did happen in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So that's what we all thought. But in doing more research on that, I began to see, no, wait a minute. It starts with cultivating a relationship online because it's much easier for your child to want to go with the predator than it is for the predator just to take them. The predators work to create compliance in their victims. And so that's what they're creating the relationship for. And so where do these relationships get formed? Well, it's on Roblox. It is on Fortnite. It's on, gosh, there's even, I had um, Chris Hadnagy on, and he's head of the uh, ILF, which is Innocent Lives Foundation. And he was saying that there was, during COVID, there was a homework site. I think it was in the state of Florida that was helping kids um, with their homework. And that's it was like teachers volunteering from across the country to be able to help kids with their math homework, which has a wonderful idea behind it. But predators were getting in and and the predators were coming in and were actually helping with the math homework. They were actually helping the kids get better at what they were doing. And then on the side, it was, hey, you know, do you have a discord? Do you have an email address? Do you have like, you know, Twitter or something like that? Another way that we could talk. And that's where the bad relationship began to develop or the bad side of the relationship began to develop. And so he had a a pretty stark warning for me and for our audiences, like anywhere your kids are going to be online, there are already predators there. Now, that does not mean that every single person uh, online is going to be a predator for your your child, but just understand that there is no safe place, really, Mm -hmm. that you're not going to find this type of behavior. Um, I remember when 
my son really wanted to play Minecraft for the first time. And so I thought to myself, okay, is Minecraft safe? How do we do this? And so I went and I Googled, is Minecraft safe for kids? And so, I mean, Jay, what do you think I found? I found all these articles about how it wasn't safe Mm -hmm. for kids because that's the information I was looking for. I had tainted my research from the beginning. So I actually, at that point in time, I think I was in a Facebook group with a bunch of other dads. So I asked them and they're like, well, here's our real experience. And so they shared it with me. And sure enough, you know, Minecraft is uh, great. If you have a young kid, I would say, let them go play it. But the thing Mm -hmm. is, you have to monitor their communication or if they are personally, I think uh, if they're not old enough to handle the online communication aspect of any platform, then they shouldn't have access to it. And you can turn that off in Minecraft Fortnite. Yeah, they they can can play play offline modes and right. Or even with um, like with Fortnite, my son and I played that a bunch over the summer. Like as long as you don't have a headset, it's not really all that toxic. Um, yeah. You can, of course, go find plenty of videos because uh, I think uh, Fortnite just turned six or something like that. There's yeah. six years worth of toxic videos out there from oh, yeah. kids who just don't know how to handle their emotions, you know, or it's mm-hmm. some guy who is on there being creepy. So if you can control that online communication aspect of whatever it is they're doing, they're going to be able to still enjoy that game and still play and still feel like they're relevant with their friends. Um, Mm -hmm. But you're just making sure that those predators can't form those relationships. Yeah. 100%. You know, that's important. I like how you said you went to Google and you Googled it. That search is tainted. I mean, you go to Google for anything. It's already kind of meh to begin with, you know, because you can, you can easily, very easily, Taint your search. Mm-hmm. Just about the keywords you put in. Just about the mm-hmm. search you put in. Right. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. It's like, oh, well, I found all this information. Yeah, but did you also look at the other side of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found thing. all like, the information I was looking for because that's the information I was looking for. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you tailored that search to you, but then you went back and you went and found the firsthand opinions mm-hmm. of others with the same experience, same lived experience, which I think is so powerful. Like in my work that I do. I work in mental health, behavioral stuff as well, working with children, youth, and families. And we do a lot of firsthand experience kind of work. A lot of our different peers, myself included, we all have different lived experiences. And those are very powerful when it comes to helping these families because you can relate to each other. You can right. relate. You can have a different level of empathy for them. Um, and you're truly able to to connect on a different level to help them see you know, that you're more than a professional, they're paid, being paid to help them. You're also a person that does want to help them. But beyond that, you know, being able to talk to those other dads, those dad groups, they are tricky. I've talked about it plenty of times. Mm-hmm, they I are made, tricky. I made for and against Facebook dad group kind of guy. Mm-hmm. The Bluey dad group on Facebook, love it. <laughs> love it some of the dads only single dad ones yeah yeah they are less than ideal um right. that's a polite way to put it yes and yeah and so actually with what larry did from as dad as a get him and i we actually created our own discord for parents and dad casters and things like that 
so it's invite only, but we're inviting parents and podcasters and just people in our network that we have right now into that circle to keep it very like safe and secure because we we know who's coming in because only him and i are inviting people into it and it's like we can check them and things like that so that is another way you know to keep keep your kid circling your own personal circle safe because you don't want to let someone into your own circle right that could be unsafe for your children i feel Mm -hmm. that's especially been difficult not difficult but Something that's been limiting for me as a single parent the last couple of years was being able to make like social connections and friends just for myself because it's like, well, I don't really want to make friends because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know these people. I don't know how long right. they're going to be around and I don't right. want to bring them around if they're not going to be around for long term. So I just haven't made friends for two years really outside of a select few. Mm-hmm. Um, that have stuck and been able to say now I'm engaged, so things are a little bit different. But you know, keeping that safety together in general, yeah, can be really hard. Like when I when my daughter comes home with a birthday party invite for a kid whose name I've never heard before, right? I'm like, mm, I like how well do you know this kid? Like she's six, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. how how well do you know this other kid? It's like, well, we're kind of friends. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't think you really need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and if that's it's a, a name I've thing. heard, like, but name I heard multiple times, like, oh, this person, we played this, we played this. I've heard that name over and over again. It's like, oh, yeah, 100%. We're going to go to that one. Because, mm-hmm. like, right. I've seen that parent at drop off. I've seen them at pickup. I've right. seen this kid. I know what this kid looks like. Mm-hmm. I and think I there is a kind of a a disadvantage for us as dads because it's usually the moms that make the relationships and you know they kind of it's it's much easier it's kind of hard because let's say that you get the birthday invite and the mom has her cell phone number on there it can sometimes be strange for a dad to make all this contact and ask all the questions that are typically you know asked by a mom and that sort of thing i have personally found that i'm like hey and i say to my wife hey i need you to talk to this person find out a little bit more that sort of thing just to you know here's a couple of questions i need you to ask it's because it can can kind of be confrontational coming from a dad i think at times so that's something else that we kind of have to deal with yeah for me personally i usually like when i see those invites and i text i'm like hey this is you know so-and-so's dad Right. I just wanted to ask, like, what are what's what's your preference on like presents or gifts, and is there anything that you need me to bring? Uh, wanted to RSVP my kids, just so you know. Um, is it okay if I bring your little sister? Mm-hmm. Um, just because I have them both, uh, kind of thing. So it it has been weird, but at the same time, like. For me personally, like the the moms have been more receptive to it kind of thing. And then I end up connecting with the dads anyway when I go right. and right. that's who I hang out with. I'm not hanging out with the mom. Right, right, right. Kind of thing. I'm standing around the grill with the dad and talking and <laughs> chatting them up and things like that. Like, yo, what's up? How we doing? Kind of thing. And it's awkward going to a birthday party as a as a single dad. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's like you're very much out of place and like some dads are a couple birthday parties i went to the dads were really cool and made it really easy to connect and to 
to not feel as awkward or out of place and whatnot. And Good. The bigger kids take the little one and include her. Well, I make my older one bring her little sister and like, okay, <laughs> take her with you. Right. Go with her. You have to take her with you. If you're going to play anything, she has to be with you. Um, she doesn't love it, but she's used to it at this point. But regardless, um, we kind of touched on it, but how can someone recognize in public how to see when things are off? Sure. So a, a lot of people talk about intuition, you know, your gut feeling, women's intuition, that sort of thing. Um, this is when your body gives you warning signals about a person or an animal that you see on the street, that sort of thing. I, I can usually tell people a little bit better about this in an example that I saw um, when I was out with the walk during COVID. And so um, I believe that people need to understand how to interpret animals because you have encounters like this. You don't necessarily know what to do. So there was this pit bull that was loose on the street. He's running around and he's barking um, and his tail isn't up. He's not exactly, he's not necessarily barking because he's angry. He's not barking because he's excited. So just after a moment or two of observation, because this dog is between me and my home, um, I'm like, am I going to have to go all the way around the block and come back to the other side and hope that the dog's not there because he's at my neighbor's house at the moment, um, you know, barking with these roofers who were trying to finish this house. And I realized after watching the dog, my intuition told me this dog is not a threat. He's lost. He's trying to get help. He's trying to solicit help from these people. So at that point, I felt like it was okay for us to walk by. The dog came up and he did. He actually kind of had this frantic look on his face. Um, unfortunately, I felt like if I brought him into our house, he would have had troubles with our dogs and that wouldn't have gone well for anybody. So I didn't really get to get a, a, a thing on it. But follow up two days later, I saw this dog on a walk with his owners and told them the story and they were uh, happy to have their dog back. So he's the dog's fine. But in observing people and how they move and how they interact with you and the environment is important. And if something feels off, note that. Don't try to suppress that feeling. Don't just say, oh, I'm being judgmental. Or maybe the person is another gender than you or another ethnicity than you. And you're saying, oh, I'm trying to be racist or sexist or whatever it is. At the end of the day, what keeps us safe is how we interpret somebody's behavior. It has nothing to do with how they look or what they wear. It's how they behave. And if there's something in that behavior that sets you off, you need to embrace that feeling. It doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, this person is a psychopath and they're going to murder me right here on the street. That just means there's something a little bit off about them. And you want to probably keep a good distance, keep a good uh, emotional, personal distance from that person and just treat them so that they don't get closer to you or they don't have try to form a relationship with you, even if it's a short relationship at a gas pump or something like that. So you need to embrace those feelings, especially when it comes to your kids, because a lot of people, um, I recently had a, a guy on Mike O'Rourke from uh, AOC, and he was saying how denial has an impressive body count. And if you deny what your body is telling you of all the signals that your brain is sending you about this person, you could get hurt. So you don't necessarily have to freak out and run away from somebody you got a bad feeling about. 
but you do need to watch these people and respect the feeling that you get. And it's a fine line. It's just something that as humans, you're going to, the more interactions you have, the better off that you're going to be able to manage this feeling. Our kids don't have that experience that we have as adults who have been around 30, 35, 40 years, whatever. So we need to show them how to behave around these people because our kids in a lot of ways, they don't know necessarily how a good person behaves or how is different from how a bad person behaves because generally we want to keep our kids around people that we feel safe around. Mm -hmm. So they might be led to believe that every person is safe and not every person is safe. So when you have these encounters, it's important that your kids pay attention and that you talk to them about what just happened. Let's say you're on your way into a convenience store and uh, you know, a person who looks like they're on drugs, acting like they are on drugs, being loud and disruptive, and you avoid that person. You get back in the car and you say, hey, sweetie, we avoided this person because they were acting like this, this, and this, and I felt like things could kind of get out of hand, so that's why we didn't help that person. That's why we didn't give him the money that he asked for. Those sorts of things. Go over that with your kids so they understand why you did what you did, and it will be a good example for them when they're older and they're out on the street and they see a person acting similarly, they have that experience to go back on and say, oh, wait a minute. And see, that's the way you can keep your kids safe, even when you're not around. 100%. I love that. And also part of that, what if, or not a what if, how do we teach our kids that same intuition? Outside of teaching them, I feel part of that comes up when they start to communicate those things. We honor those. We respect right. those. You're like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. I hear you. I got you. Yeah, let's avoid. Let's let's leave. Let's go this way. You're feeling one way. I might be feeling another kind of thing. But we don't want to devalue their perspective or right. take anything away from them. Because if we take those things away from them, then they're going to be in denial. Or they're not going to feel as secure in speaking up if they are feeling unsafe. Or if they are in a weird situation later in life. Because they're they're not going to be essentially trained to to know mm -hmm. how to do that and that's gonna be really difficult for them long term so we have to right. value their voices when they're young and when yes. they're learning yes. that intuition and when it's developing uh jason he's the author of safest family on the block yeah i know and, jason he's a good dude yeah and one of his like big safety things for being in public is to teach your kids the three f's his three f's are a family so if your kid's separated from you at the grocery store, tell them to look for another family. Right. And for that is that their parents, they also have young kids. So they probably have at least water or food or a phone or something to, to take care of your kid while they'll make sure your kid doesn't do anything dumb and they'll be safe or mm -hmm. won't go anywhere They're And they won't be approached because they'll just think they're part of that family kind of thing so they won't keep getting approached by random people the next one was uh food mm -hmm. uh so if you're out walking around in a city get separated they go look for a restaurant kind of what do restaurants have food water staff uh phones mm -hmm. and everything to keep a child like safe enough right until someone gets there to help 
Right. And Jason makes another good point about the restaurant is they will have a first aid kit as well. Yes, they will. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, so that was also a good one. I was like, oh, man, Jason just taught me something there. Yeah. So they have the first aid kit. They have AEDs normally, too, um, depending on the restaurant, the scale. Um, especially smaller restaurants or more local restaurants, they'll be definitely more open to the community. And a restaurant that sees a random kid come in, they'll, res- I feel like most people would be like, Okay, this is weird. This is different. Right. This kid doesn't have anything. Uh, let's take this kid behind the counter or go and sit with them or something mm-hmm. like that to try to figure out. And then the last one's a flag. Uh, so mm. any buildings with a flag, with a, the American flag, anyone with a flag on their uniform. It has to be like mm. a uniform, not just a shirt. Um, and or buildings with flags in front of them, because then you're going into a government building. Or you're going up to an official, like maybe a military person or a police officer or fireman or fire lady or whatever those other public officials that serve. Um, So we tell them to look for a flag on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. I believe it's the left side. Left side. Um, And then also buildings with flags in front of them to help identify. So those are just easy identifiable. And with that, you know, it comes with, and I think you gave a great example, you know, real life real time like application and practice of these things is so important for your kid because yeah they could have seen you avoid it they're just gonna be like weird okay whatever um right i'm gonna move on but instead when you apply it you know jason that's one of his things with the three f's like when you're at when you're at the grocery store like okay we get lost right now who are you gonna go talk to like spot right spot me a safest stranger Right. Not that not stranger danger. His big thing is safest stranger. Mm-hmm. Like who's the safest adult? Who is the safest stranger that you can go and approach? Uh, because there's that misconception with stranger danger is that everyone's bad and everyone, nobody can help right. you. Right. When that's implicably, I agree is somewhat false. Like, yes, there are mm-hmm. bad people, but if you look for these specific sets of people, those are the three groups of people who are more than likely to help you. Um, and then you can also include store employees and you can ask them mm-hmm. who looks safe, who looks safe to you right now. Oh, the right. little old lady. Yeah. She looks pretty safe. Uh-huh. You know, someone would think that you're her grandkid. So that's a, mm-hmm. a safe, you know, assumption for others to look at. You're not going to get her in trouble. They're not going to get you in trouble. It's just a little old lady kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. That yeah, one I was dude at, walking uh... by himself, probably not as safe. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing sometimes where, um, like, if a kid were to ask me for help as a dad, I would absolutely go and help. But generally, mm-hmm. people say, don't, you know, teach your kids to go look for a mom or somebody who has that family, like you were just saying. And um, th- that'll be a little bit more helpful. And I understand that because des- sometimes men are just like, oh, we'll just go over there and ask that person. Or, oh, yeah, just go there, do this, and and that's it. Whereas I think somebody with a family is going to be able to take that kid and make sure they get where they're supposed to go. I was actually at Disney, and um, a little girl came into one of the stores, and she asked a lady, um, I can't find my mom. Can you help me? And mm-hmm. so this lady was like, oh, for sure, but you need to go ask this store person because they're 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 going to be the ones that that help you. And the little girl was like, "Well, aren't you a mom?" 
And she's like, well, I am. But about that time, the, the girl's mother comes up and everything's fine and she goes through. So I got to see this practical application of a kid who was told, hey, go look for somebody who's a mom. And then that person was like, oh, no, wait, let's go to get you another level of care by talking to an employee who has communication. And I'm sure there's a complete workup on how at Disney you 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 reunite a child with their family who's lost. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have whole thing cookies and things like that. So oh, yeah. I think the thinking's right because. She found the mom, then the mom was like, okay, I'm not equipped to help you. Right. She realized that very quickly, and she's like, okay, let's take you to the store employee. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, go to the store employee, I think she should have said, let's go to together. Yeah. Right. Like, if you need to hand the child off to someone else because you're not equipped, take the child with you. Right. Right. Be like, okay. And- you know, like if a child came up to me at Walmart or something, I used to work at Walmart and all these mm-hmm. retail stores, they have code Adams or code, right. um, code, I don't remember what, with code Adam for a boy or a girl. Um, but it's like, I know this thing just from my retail background. So I'm going to go to try and find that a store employee. I'm going to keep the child with me. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Hey, come with us, you know, grab onto my car, you know, say hi to yeah, my kids, yeah. you know, Hey girls, introduce yourself. Like, this is our new friend for right now. Like, we're gonna help her find her parents. Um, and I'm gonna be like, okay, you're staying here. Make sure you keep your hand on the cart, um, just so that you're safe. Like, you're okay. We're not gonna hurt you. Do you need anything? Right. Like, do you need to go mm-hmm. to the bathroom or anything like that? I'm gonna make sure her basic needs are taken care of. Well, assuming it's a little girl, I'm gonna make sure the kid's basic needs are taken care of. Sorry, I'm a girl dad through and through, so that's kind <laughs> of all I. All I know is little girls and their friends are all girls. So, Hmm. Um, but beyond that, you know, I'm going to find a store employee and say, Hey, you know, I have this, I have this little girl. Can you call a code Adam? You know, and then that store employee is going to have to say yes. Right. Yeah. Of course. Regardless. Right. So they're going to get on their little thingies and they're going to call a code Adam and they'll at least put people on alert to Mm -hmm. make sure that, you know, Doors aren't blocked with random that no one's getting out. Right. Who shouldn't get out. Make sure I'm not getting out with a random kid. It protects myself in that instance as a male. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like, oh, okay, for sure. Why you... We definitely have to watch that a little bit more. Yeah. And it's like, it just helps me like mend the, mend the bridge or bridge the gap there, I guess, mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. this little kid and me being male to make sure that they're, they right. ultimately do get back to their parents. And they'll find them, you know, I'm going to go to that employee. I'm going to go probably to the back of the store. I don't know if I really want to go to the front and try to fight through all the traffic and take, it depends on where I'm in the store. I'm closer to the Mm -hmm. front, go to the front. I'm closer to the back, go to the back. I'm closer to the deli, go to the deli. Mm -hmm. Just go to what section you're closest to and just keep the child there and just make sure you keep them calm. Your demeanor and how you react with your kids or someone else's kid who comes up with you is so important. Stay calm. Be like, oh no, you got lost. That's no good. Let's help. Let's help you. Let's mm-hmm. let's make sure you're safe. You know, do you need anything? Hi, in a, hi, I'm Mr. J. It's nice to meet you. Kind of thing. Just be very calm, very polite, very respectful. Because then the kid's not gonna be freaking out. They might already be. They're already gonna be anxious or panicked. Like, oh my god, where's my mom? Where's my dad? I can't find them. Where's my grandma? This is. Oh, it's okay. You're okay. Mm-hmm. Like I got you. You're safe right now. You know. You guys, what what kind of hand games do you like? Or tell me about yourself, kind of thing. Mm. What's your name? 
Yeah, what? what's your name? What's your mom's name? You know, that sort of thing. Just yeah. that, that basic information. Right. Do you know your, Do you know the phone number so I can give her a call? Like, do you want yeah, to use my phone? Yeah, that's a good one. Ask for a phone number. Yeah, maybe. Do you want to use my phone? Because they're not going to have dog tags like a dog. Some kids <laughs> might actually, but also look uh -huh. for jewelry. I think looking for jewelry is really important because that's how a lot of these safety devices are being made into now because they're less mm -hmm. conspicuous. Right. So ask them, do you have anything to do? You, do you have a phone? Do you have a way to signal your mom? Mm -hmm. Do you have a code word? Like ask her these things. So I feel like more and more families do, especially if you have like, maybe they have a watch and they just they're mm -hmm. panic. They forgot how to use it. Oh, I see your watch. Does that make calls or can that, yeah. can that signal yeah. your mom mm -hmm. kind of thing or dad or whoever they're with? Like, can that signal for you? Um, where did you last see them in the store mm -hmm. kind of thing? Uh, what do they look like? What's their name? Ask them these very basic questions, but ask them so calmly, just so calmly. And so like, we're going to figure this out. We got this. You're okay. You're safe. You're good. Like, let's do this together. But look for those things. Look for jewelry. Right. Ask them if they know their name, phone number, ask them their name. So you're not just calling them. Hey kid. So they know you're invested in them. So they know you actually care about them um, and just reassure them that they're safe in that moment. Like, Hey, you're okay. You're safe now. You're not lost. We're going to help you. So very simple, but um, let's see here. Uh, so I feel like there's been a big mindset shift around safety. Everyone's more conscious. Like I can't let my kid walk to the bus stop. I got to go with them. I can't let my kid go outside. I got to be playing with them. Like even for me, mm -hmm. like I have a backyard in my apartment and it's gated but even then like my kids want to go play outside i still go outside with them yeah and that's that's not a bad thing to go out there because uh once in our backyard uh we had a snake and the dog alerted us to the snake and you know you never really know like what's going to happen when you're out there so i don't think it's a bad idea to go out and you know to be with them and make sure even if they're just playing on their own because i think children playing by themselves is very important they don't mm -hmm. always need to be uh having the parent play with them because they need to learn that independence and that creativity. Oh, yeah, no, like I'll just sit out there while they play right, together yeah. and they play with yeah. the dogs and whatnot. Like I'm just there. I'm not right. doing and that, anything. I think that's good. Yeah. You know, and you don't necessarily have to always be watching everything. You can pull your phone out, listen to a podcast, that sort of thing, just while they're doing, just keep an eye on them. Yeah. I think that is, that is a good idea. Cause you never know, you know, kind of what's going to happen. But I think yeah. as your children grow up and they make more mature decisions and they have they demonstrate that ability to be able to do it, you give them more freedom and it's you know less and less uh, that you feel like you have to be you know watching them all the time. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So what's for you and what you've done? How's the mindset mindset shifted? Say that three times fast. <laughs> uh, what's been the mindset shift in favor of safety? I mean, and sure. it's really only been in the last 15, 20 years, maybe. I know 9-11 was a huge spark sure. for yes. safety. Um, if you don't yeah. know what 9-11 is, you might be a little bit too young to be listening to this podcast. Um, right. But... Yeah, I think we had we had Columbine, and then we had 9-11 yep. within mm -hmm. like 24 months of each other. And that really did <laughs> change uh, a lot of how, maybe not 24, maybe 36. Um, so yeah, that changed a lot of how America thought about itself and safety. Um, I remember you, you talk to people 
who are of a generation that are a little bit older than me. And they'll say, oh, I, you know, stayed outside until the streetlights came on and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, that's that's nice. And I'm sure that was good for them. And even though it may not have necessarily always been safe for that, but I understand that that's the way things are. I think people now understand that, yeah, you can live bad things do happen in good places. And unfortunately, I think that um, when people are just kind of naive to what's going on in their community, that's when bad things can happen. So there, there's this balance where you, you don't need to take to heart every bad story that you see on the news and think, oh, that is explicitly going to happen to me and my family. But you do need to say, oh, well, there's an uptick in this particular type of crime that involves, you know, my children's age range or involves my particular location. But don't let that lead to paranoia about never yes. letting your kid do anything and never let them grow up. So there's that balance that you just kind of have to have with, you know, your family, with your friends, with your uh, community and with the media that you consume. Like for me with a secure dad, on that particular, you know, my Instagram feed, I get a lot more violent crime related content pushed to me because that's kind of what uh, my show talks about. It's, you know, what's going on, how to protect yourself. So I get all this mm -hmm. safety and crime stuff pushed to me. But on my personal one, I get a bunch of just like random stuff and, you know, dogs doing silly things. So understand and this kind of goes back to my Google search uh, thing from the beginning. Understand that what you're being shown online is being shown to you because of an algorithm, and it's not necessarily what reality is. So get out, talk to your neighbors, uh, go to community events, go to church, that sort of thing. Have relationships that are outside um, the digital realm so that you can under really understand what's happening in your community, what's going on, and understand that it may not be as bad as the algorithm wants you to think that it is. And I think that's a huge point. Like, it's not, it's likely not as bad as your fic, your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed, your TikTok feeds are really telling you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very easy for media, just in general, all media, right wing or left wing or independent mm -hmm. or whatever, to perfect, per, perpetuate. That's a They force word. your perspective. They force your perspective yeah. and they really can make a small thing into a very big thing very easily. Right. And anyone can do it. Anyone yeah. can do it mm -hmm. if they feel passionate enough about whatever it could be or if they really want to push a narrative for whatever reason. They can make this really small thing into a big thing. Like, you know, it's and it's kind of odd. It's sad. It, it's good. Mm -hmm. It's good and bad. Because it can be used for good, and it should be mostly used for good. If you need to blow something really small up that's really good you believe in, that's a totally different story. That's how it should be used. That's how this narrative agenda should be used, in my opinion. I don't like to should people, but if you're trying to push a narrative and it's a good message and it's beneficial to a lot of people, to the majority and it's not going to cause harm or damage or contention or fighting or anything, and you're just trying to help something or someone or a business or a platform that needs it or a message that just a lot of people get behind, then that's different. That's right. so different. But when you're pushing a negative narrative about 
an agenda-based item, like and you're trying to pretty much say, I'm right, you're wrong, you follow this or you're wrong, that's when it becomes a problem. And that's what media does. That's what mm-hmm. algorithms do to us because they want us to feed into a certain side of the agenda and the narrative. And people make content for that side of the agenda or narrative. There's troll farms out there. There's people who are paid to troll. There's people who are paid to create this kind of content to feed into it so that there's more out there for you to consume. There's people who live their whole lives to make sure that you believe the narrative that they push because their narrative is right. And if you don't believe them and you're not on their side, then you're wrong and you're awful and you're a terrible person. And we saw that perf- we saw that so much in the forefront during COVID. We're probably getting close to seeing it again with new variants and things like that. I don't want to get too far into that, but we're probably getting close to seeing it history repeat itself probably in the quickest time frame it's ever repeated itself. Hmm. Um, within three years, history is going to repeat itself. And I think that's absolutely mind blowing. Right. Well, here's, here's another there. perspective for you too. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. I had to read this at some point, either in high school or college. It was Plato's allegory of the cave. Mm-hmm. And it was all about controlling and manipulation. And so in that particular thing, there's this whole big you know, hypothetical thing that Plato thinks here that he, you take a person who is young and you force them to only see shadows on a cave wall. And you can tell this person that an elephant is actually a tiger, that a tiger is actually a person, and you can completely control their world and make them think what they want. So the the idea of manipulation through media has been around for a very long time. time. I think now because we have the internet, we have everybody who has an opinion, me included, who Mm -hmm. says that, oh, you know, perspective A, I think is good, or perspective B is bad. Um, And then there's all these other people who have every other perspective for every other letter in the alphabet. And they're all going to say that A and B are bad. And and so it just kind of, kind of tumbles out of control. So just understand that this, this sort of thing has been around for a long time and you just have to be discerning. 100%. And know what works for you. Like we said at the very beginning, know what works for you, know how it works for you, know what's beneficial for you in your life and your situation where you live your context, take into all the contextual things, your race, your gender, your culture, your identity, what's important to you, your values, how you raise your family, what's important to you in your home, your faith, all those things. Take all those things into account. Formulate your own opinion on things. We're just here to give you more information for you to help formulate your own opinion. Right. And we're not telling you, we tell you what works for us, what we like, what we found effective within our home within our groups, within our circles. Is that going to be true for you in your circles? Maybe for one or two people. Are you those one or two people? Maybe. Depends on how big your circle is. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. But just just remember that. Um, before we get into the YDP3, Andy, I wanted to discuss your book on home security a little bit. I think I see that right yes. there in the background. Yes, if you're watching us right on the here. YouTubes, you can see it. <laughs> Yeah, so I wrote a book called Home Security, The Secure Dad's Guide, and it walks people through. It's it's for parents. It is for busy parents. Uh, the book, I think, is like 88 pages long, and I took huge criticism for that when the book came out. I was like, oh, it's not long enough. And I'm like, it's meant for parents who, who don't have time to sit and read. So I compressed everything you need to know into this one short book, and people are like, once I kind of couched it that way, they were like, oh, I read this book in two sittings. I'm like, wonderful. Now go apply what you learned. 
Right. So um, it talks about some simple things that you can do right now in your home that will make it safer by tonight. Then there's some suggestions on some things that you could buy and purchase and do over time that will work. But the, the core of it is um, it's my layered home defense strategy and how you take that strategy and you can read the book to find, I'm not going to tell you all of it right now, but if you read it, you'll understand that if you, you really need to start protecting your house, not at your front door, you need to start protecting your house out of the street. You need to push that boundary out as far as you can, because the more hoops a bad person has to jump through to get to your home, the less likely they're going to be successful, or they might just give up in the first place and move on. So if you want to find that book, it's it's on Amazon, or you can go to thesecuredad.com. It's there as well. Um, but yeah, Love I'm that. proud of the it book. Is, it'll, be gotten... in the, it'll be linked in the show notes as well for you guys to appreciate. go that. down there into the description and check that out. So Very cool. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's been something that I've I've been proud of, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback on it. I've got some negative feedback on it, and that's fine, uh, because everybody else, I, I'd like to hear what people think about the work. And so it stood up over the past five years. Um, I actually had somebody um, copy it. They they bought the um, the Kindle version of the book and copied and pasted it into, I guess, AI or some program and changed very few words uh, in the book. And they sold it under uh, some terrible, awful name that didn't make any sort of sense. So it was pretty funny because I got the book, I bought it, I looked at it, and it was like almost verbatim. There was like one word every other sentence that was changed. And I was like, oh, wow. So I was like, this is kind of a compliment and also not at the same time. So I just had to laugh about it. And I, and I told Amazon, I think he took the book off the market immediately. So I appreciate that. But yeah, it was funny to have somebody plagiarize your work like that. Yeah. yeah. Makes you feel good. Makes you feel good. <laughs> right. Um, no, I know that like my personally, like my children's book has somehow after I published it, it took less than a week for like, a random digital copy and I didn't even publish it digitally. Mm. So I have no clue how mm-hmm. it happened, but someone ended up, I guess, buying it, digitizing it oh. and putting it out there on the internet. Yeah. Maybe it was one of the people I said, I don't know. Maybe it was someone I sent it to, to review, ended up doing it. I don't know. Um, right. But it just ended up out there digitally. And I was like, whatever, you know, people mm-hmm. want to find it digitally cool. They're still reading the book. Um, mm-hmm. It's whatever, but yeah, right. flattering, flattering. But uh, just to jump into the YDP3 real quick here to end, first one here, What? where are you rooted? You know, I think I am rooted in the values that I have seen my family embrace for a few generations. I'm very fortunate that I had good parents growing up. Not everybody has good parents. I understand that that is a blessing. And so I want to be able to, like I know right from wrong. And I do know that sometimes I push that boundary and that there's sometimes a gray area, but I understand what is good for me and my family and for my community. I understand what is detrimental and I have the ability to be able to decide between the two. And I think that is something that a lot of kids, unfortunately don't grow up with is understanding that, you know, you have parents or a parent who doesn't value things like society should um, that sort of thing, but just I'm rooted in the lessons that I have learned from my parents that they learned from their parents, and so I want to set that up for my child so that he can grow up knowing what is good. So we pass the 
good generational lessons down onto him. And of course, he will continue that on. I love that. I love that. Uh, what grounds you when you need to come back? You need to work yourself back to where to you. What grounds you? What brings you back? Um, sometimes um, I think with all guys, we get a little egotistical. And I, I tell you what, man, my kid has a sarcastic wit that drops me right back down on my face. <laughs> he will, I mean, just absolutely snipe me. And I think it's hilarious. I can laugh about it. And, uh, but yeah, that's one of the things that my, my son has kept me humble, uh, for, for some time. But also I think in, in realizing, um, what, what kind of grounds you is that I don't think any of my sex, my, any of my success has been fully my own. I feel like I have been blessed by God to be able to do the things that I'm doing. And I try to attribute that to him as often as I can, but knowing that, you know, the success that I've had has been the culmination of listening to God, to my family and having their support. And it's really not about me. It's, I'm just a piece of, of, of the greater machine here. I love that, man. I love that. And then lastly here, what advice do you have for a dad that might be really struggling in a dark place, comes to you and says, Andy, bro, I'm struggling. I need some help. Like, mm. help me. I, yeah, I someone... sure. So I, I think the biggest thing to tell uh, a man who is struggling <clears throat> as a dad is every dad struggles. You are not different. You are not um, a bad father because you are struggling with something. We have all struggled with something. And the fact that you can say, I need help, speaks volumes about what your motivation is. Because you're wanting to get better for you and you're wanting to get better for your family. So embrace that. Be proud of the fact that you realize, hey, I'm struggling with something. Because there's a lot of guys out there who would just rather... Um, you know, fire up the the PlayStation or whatever and try to deal with it that way, or they're going to, you know, consume alcohol to the point that it's going to be detrimental to them and everybody around them. Embrace what your issue is and say, how am I going to fix this? And if you don't know how to fix it, you find that confident who, person who can help you through it. And I'm a person who thinks that if you need to, you know, speak to a counselor, absolutely do that. Um, so the fact that you know that there's a problem is huge. That's wonderful. You should be uh, praised for understanding that there's a problem and then being able to want to work through it instead of just denying it, pushing it off, or trying to drink your way out of it. So the the fact that you realize that there's a struggle is is a wonderful thing, and now that's the first step in fixing it. I love that, and that's such a great perspective to keep, too. You know, it's it's a different one than what I've heard recently recording, and whatnot with others but it's it's beautiful because you don't think to we don't think it's meant to like validate each other so important right. to validate each other and be like dude look like i hear you like you're seeing you're heard you're doing enough and what you're doing right now is more than other people do you're doing right. more than most dads do right now yeah like you, you hit the nail right on the head there you're saying oh i'm gonna go hit the playstation go hit the alcohol i'm gonna go hit the drugs i'm gonna go hit the porn i'm gonna go hit the everything mm. Yeah. I'm going to go get my quick fix, dopamine hits, forget about my problems, move on, just, mm -hmm. you know, bury them a foot underground so that they come back up real quick. <laughs> yeah. um, I walk around a little bit, then boom, there they are again. I'll sweep them under the rug. Oh, wait, there's no more room under that rug, and I've got another rug to sweep it under. Uh, <laughs> right. Kind of thing, but I think that's so perfect to, to say because you have to make sure that those 
those friends, those people who are coming to you are validated and they know that, you know, them just being able to recognize and then talk about it and know that they need some kind of help that's different. Huge. I'm a huge advocate for talk therapy. I mean, obviously I work oh, yeah. in mental health. So, but, right. you know, making sure that all those things are pushed. There's so many other resources out there. Their peer counseling is really becoming huge. Um, there's organizations like Dad's Move. There's white the White Flag app, which is a peer anonymous peer counseling. So you can just talk to people. You can raise your flag up if you're really struggling and you need help and lower it when you're feeling better. Just talk to someone, just to get it out. You can go to it if you are in these dad's groups on Facebook. I will say that is the one caveat to some of these. If you post that you're really struggling and need help, you know, someone will talk to you and someone will respond yeah. to you that's available in that moment. You know, we have great national resources, 988, the hotline. And you don't have to, and one thing people misconceive, if there is a crisis line or a line for that for your area, realize you don't have to have a plan or any kind of ideation or any weapon ready to do anything, harm yourself or someone else. Like it, these resources can just be there if you need support and you're feeling right. those feelings and you just need support to get out of that, that moment, right. to get past them and start working through them. You don't right. have to be actively holding a gun in your mouth. Uh, trigger warning. Wow. Mm -hmm. That did not go well. Anyways. Uh, um, I think you're saying you don't have to be desperate if you realize yeah, you there's a be problem desperate. before you get to that, that line that you want to cross, because there's people out there, the people who are sitting there working at those um, at those services, they get up every day wanting to help people. That's 100%. what they do. And mm -hmm. so the, to be able to talk to somebody who's not a red line case, man, that's huge. They'd love yeah. that. So yeah. absolutely, you know, reach out to those people. Reach out. Those resources are there for us to use them. You know, find what works for you. Um, the white flag at is linked in the show notes. Um, I've been linking it in all the shows just because I think it's a great resource. It's free. It's anonymous. Really easy to use. Huge fan of white flag. Not a sponsor, but they are great. Um, Andy, to wrap up here, wrap, wrap, wrap it all up. Go ahead and tell the people where they can find more of you. Sure. Uh, you can find me at thesecuredad.com. You can also find me on uh, Twitter, what's now X. Uh, and also Instagram with the username the secure dad. I'm pretty much there. I'm not on TikTok. Uh, that's just not my thing. So uh, if you want to find me on those things, that's that's good. Um, I've got a book, of course, Home Security: The Secure Dad's Guide. If you also are a checklist person, I have a home security assessment uh, that is you can download at six bucks. It's like gosh, twelve pages that walks you through step-by-step step which you can do to fortify your home. What works for you, you certainly don't have to do all of it. Um, and so uh, you can find all of that at thesecuredad.com. Love it. Well, Andy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your insight on home safety, cyber safety, online safety, and that's all your little tidbits of wisdom and knowledge and things you were able to share. It's really appreciated, and I appreciate your time. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. This is good. I just have the audience for doing the thing. Thanks, Andy. Man, that was such a good episode. We are so appreciative of our guests today for sharing their story, sharing their experience and their perspective and their answers to the YDP3. That's really where the podcast gets its life and its juice from. And it's always great to reconnect to your root, figure out what's grounding you currently and what advice and what can you give to someone else. I love that part of the show every time we come on. 
quick message from your host before we let you go. We appreciate you staying until the very end here. If you didn't know, and if you've been listening to the podcast, you know. But if you don't know and you're new, Jay, your host, is a published children's book author. You can get his book, A Baseball Game with Dad, over on Amazon right now. The link is in the show notes and across every single social media platform that we have. One more partnership that we have that's amazing for Father's Clothing. You can click the link below, read the story, and you'll want to leave the website with a new polo or a matching polo for you and your kid or pre-order something or get one of their new designs or get some socks or some other gear that's just um, by dad for dad. It's amazing. Great people over there at Ford Fathers. We are so proud to be partnered with them. And then lastly... Join us over on our social medias. You can find us everywhere on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, at Young Dad Pod or Young Dad Podcast. Find us either way there. Very easy to find. We would love if you supported us and helped us grow and expand the podcast through our social media channels. Lastly, very lastly, we promise, if you're listening on Spotify, interact with the polls, interact with the question, leave a five-star review. If you're on Apple, hit that five-star rating. Leave us a review to read on our next show. We'd love to do that. If you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button, like the video, comment, and share. And also, a friendly reminder, if you want to get the podcast early, you can head over to YouTube, subscribe, and you'll get early access ad-free to the podcast for that week. Any other platform, please make sure you rate, review, comment, and share the podcast with a friend. We love you. Remember, you are worthy. You are loved. You are worthy to be loved. We love you. Have a beautiful week. Take care.